Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I slept on a plane last night, so I'm a little goofy today. I got about two and a half solid hours of sleep after three plain wines. So, uh, plain my, are, are plain wines better than normal wines or worse than normal wines? Because I don't, all, I, don't drink, your, I don't drink wine on e- really either in, e- in either event. First of all, what's your name? Oh yeah, I'm Luke Bailey, and uh, I got I got married at the weekend, so I'm now married. Oh well, that's very exciting. But let's go back to my thing. Yeah. So you asked me. <laughs> Congratulations, yeah. Luke. Thank you. Uh, to answer your question, I would say plain wine is not better or worse. Well, no, no, it's definitely worse than normal wine. But I would say like a plain wine is a different beast entirely than wine that you drink on the ground. Well, okay, so there is a thing that you're supposed to have a much worse ability to taste on a plane. That's true. Partly because it's dry, partly because the air is recycled, all those bits and pieces. You're not supposed to be able to taste it properly. I have never looked into whether or not the wine that they give you is just different wine because they're supposed to make the food differently. Like They add different things to it to make it like taste like normal food, but it ends up just tasting like bad food trying to fake being good food, which is why it's so weird. And why, you know, there's so many comedians saying, what's the deal with airplane food? See, I think plain wine has a different psychological effect. Like drinking wine on a plane is a different kind of intoxication than drinking wine on the ground. I mean, that makes sense because like you're, uh, there's not a lot of oxygen. Like you're a little bit low on oxygen, so you probably get drunk a little quicker. Yeah. You're usually going somewhere, which is also like a good, a good vibe. Like it's why train beers are better than normal beers i don't know if america i don't know if america has them because i assume america doesn't have trains but we have well well, the part of the country that i'm from yeah we have trains and you can drink beer on the trains i would say like three glasses of wine on the ground you're gonna get a little flirty a little fun maybe your face will get a little red three glasses of wine on a plane the second act of the movie venom might make you cry (laughs) is that what happened to you on this most recent flight no, I was going to watch Morbius because I heard it was finally on planes, but it's not on planes yet. So I, I didn't watch Morbius. But we'll get to what I watched in the bonus episode this week. Enough preamble. Let's get into this week's show. All right. This week, we're addressing a very simple question. I would say it's probably the most important question of our of our current cult- cultural moment. Do you know what question that is, Luke? Uh, it's to do with minions. We're going to be talking, we're going to try to answer the question, why does Gen Z love flash mobs so much? Okay, I'm into this question. So we're going to be talking about the gentle minions, and we're going to be talking about um, the summer of Morbius, and we're going to be talking about... Szechuan sauce, the Rick and Morty promotion, and we're yep. going to be talking about all the other weird stuff that Gen Z does in, in real life that causes all kinds of chaos. But before we get to that, I haven't asked this question in a really long time. Hey, Luke, how is the internet this week? <laughs> I mean, this is a weird question for me because uh, it's been a very busy night. So 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 I can divide it into the last three hours. 
the internet has been febrile because uh, the political situation in the UK has been febrile. Everyone's everyone's been been feeling very febrile. Um, before that, I think the internet was relatively chill. Like I feel like we've had a good week. It might be because I spent most of the weekend off the internet, but yeah, it feels like we've had a relatively straightforward week. Uh, no one's kind of losing their minds. So like the biggest internet thing is lads dressing up in suits to go to a Minions movie. In the U.S., we've had a a worse week. Uh, we've had a pretty bad week. Sure, I'm going to acknowledge that. Uh, and then we're going to move on because this uh, the, this podcast is is not for dwelling on those things unless it's something that we really want to talk about. But l- like America's having a bad week. So I think the gentle minions thing has been a nice distraction. I've also wanted to point out that one of your newspapers is causing a lot of chaos on Tumblr again. Good, good. Which which one? Uh, wait, no, hang on. Can I guess? Yeah. Is it the independent? It is not the independent. Okay, but you can see why I guessed that. Ye- w- no, why would you guess that? Well, because the independent is is has a, an extremely aggressive audience strategy, which means it does some odd things sometimes. Ah, I see. So this uh, this is actually uh, an old friend of ours, the Telegraph, and it's oh. one of their Twitter moments again. And the Twitter moment is all about how Stranger Things made Dungeon Dragons popular. No, no, it's not popular. You sent me this before, and I'm looking at it, and it's not popular. It's cool. That's even Dungeon Dragons cool because cool things even worse. Popular things aren't cool. Like that's important. What do you mean? Nothing popular is cool. Uh, well, depend. Wait, no, hold on. It depends on the generation we're talking about. Sometimes things that are cool are popular, and sometimes things that are cool are not popular. It really depends on the moment. I think in the '90s, stuff that was cool was not popular. In the 2010s, things that were popular were cool. Okay, but it's the 2020s now. And I think that it's gone the other way. And I think that things that are popular are not cool. Like, if you think think of the last, like, okay, the most popular movie this year is Top Gun Maverick. And it's a great movie. It's not a cool movie. Here's here's something to wrap wrap your head around, okay? When baggy pants are cool... Things that are popular are not cool. Okay, so yeah, like Nirvana, hippies in the 70s, who were not popular. Yeah, they were not popular. Zoot suits, because there were zoot suit riots, yep. of course. So, you know, that was not a popular thing. The, the famous zoot suit riots, yes. Interesting, interesting. Uh, so there is something there. I don't know what that means, but there is something there. So by this, by this logic, the strokes were both cool and popular. For a brief moment... Yes. They started as being cool and not popular, became both cool and popular, and now I would say they are popular but not cool. Right, because then they're they're too popular. Right, because we're in that moment again. Yeah, if they went and released like a uh, really unpleasant noise pop album, they would, that everyone hated, very cool. Very cool, exactly. This adds up. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to this week's big topic? <laughs> I feel like we've gotten the big stuff out of out of the way. Was so. that all you wanted to say? Was that all you wanted to say about that? You're married. <laughs> 
baggy pants are cool again, which means things that are popular are not cool. And people on Tumblr are mad at the Telegraph for saying that Dungeons Dragons is cool because of Stranger Things. That's pretty much everything I wanted to cover. Uh, I want to talk about the different politics thing that I sent you, which is uh, an actual member of the British legislature, I guess, who doesn't know the difference between millions and thousands. So talk this one through for people who are not following this. Yeah, so it began with a Baroness Harriet Nicholson, which, you know, is a good start. You know when it's a Baroness, you know you're in for a good one. That person is also really mad at some people who stopped someone who, an anti-trans person speaking in a library in Nottingham over maybe something different. Uh, Right, of course, because why would it be about anything else? But included in his letter, you know, reprimanding the deputy leader of Nottingham City Council uh, was the line, uh, the belief that human beings cannot change from one biological sex to another is not only borne out by 500 million years of human existence. Now, 500 million years of human existence, you know, I know, I'm aware you're not like a, you're not an archaeologist, but that, that's, that's not right. I was going to say, I'm not a biologist, I'm not a historian, I'm not an archaeologist, but that number seems excessive to me. I think... It's too big of a number? Is that the right, is that yeah, the right take on this? it's too big of a number. It's out by a factor of uh, a thousand. So if, if I if I remember correctly, Jesus was the first person. So we've only been around for about 2,000 years. Uh, 4,004 BC. Is, is, is that, that true? Well, that's the beginning of uh, Genesis. Like if you if oh. you work it all back, like <laughs> I it's four thousand and four BC. Okay, wait. So so, but in actuality, how long have humans been around? Uh, it's well, this is the thing because it's it's why it's, no know, no no right? it's why it's so confusing because like you know obviously there's a point at which they stop being humans and start sorry they stop being apes and start being humans like at right. some point but when the obelisk when they found the obelisk right exactly so when we've dated carbon dated the obelisk no <laughs> the one in the car park in surrey yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, no so when, wait when, so, no, so, they, so so to summarize hold on wait so before we get into the math here to summarize we're talking about a British baroness who is a turf, basically arguing that trans people haven't existed for 500 million years. Yes, exactly. Which, is, to be fair, is true. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because the yeah. earth didn't okay. exist 500 million years ago. But uh, in this specific one, what she has found and seems to have misunderstood is that there were English hand axes 540 million years ago, but it's not actually 540 million years ago. It's 560,000 years ago. And it seems really unclear whether or not she knows how, how, with the difference between a million and a thousand. So I have a theory about this. Okay. There is a very good chance that a British baroness does not know the difference between... <laughs> A thousand and a million. It's very possible that she's never seen that few zeros next to a number before and just assume that all numbers are in the millions. Yeah, that's true. It's entire it's that's in that is entirely possible. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. It's like they're five hundred they she insists that the these hand axes, which are like you know, as a signifier of human civilization, sure, they're sharpened bits of rock that people use with a hand. That's a tool. That's a reasonable point to say, okay, these are humans. Fine. Uh, but they're 560,000 years old. Uh, she also says this is the same as 540 million years old. It's the same as half a million years old. It's the same as 3.2 million years old and the same as 4.7 million years old, which are obviously like mildly different versions of like 
measuring when humanity started. You know, there's a there's an old skeleton, uh, the, the the Lucy skeleton, which is considered the first human skeleton. That's three point two million years old, which she insists proves the fact that the hand axes are five hundred forty million years old. Uh, what? Yeah, no. Go through this. Go through this tweet. Essay, no, I'm, I'm, find looking, more I'm looking. Confusing. I'm looking. I'm looking at all these tweets now. I don't understand. She's like, okay, so first of all, like if, if people listening have never gone into like turf Twitter, I would say one defining thing about turf Twitter, which in this instance stands for trans exclusionary radical feminists, turfs have this very, very specific and unique posting style where they get really tripped up on like extremely stupid like mistakes that come from like very, very bad misreadings of data. And then they get kind of like stuck in this weird rhetorical loop. And like, it's very common to see like a turf spend several hours on Twitter, like trying to prove a very wrong thing. Correct. And that to me is what this looks like, but this is such a bizarre instance of that kind of like turf brain where, where it's like, the numbers she's throwing out don't make any sense. I think I think this is a specific characteristic, and I had a couple of run-ins with some anti-trans journalists the other week, and it because it, 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 I try not to argue on Twitter for obvious reasons, but it, it kind of it threw me because there was such a I don't know. It's like it's like trying to pull like a train off the rails, like it just keeps going, <laughs> and you're kind of like yes. you, you push it, and you're like, wait, what? You expect it to like bounce a little bit and it just doesn't it just sort of keeps going and like do i do i need to be here am i am i involved in this this is the thing yeah like if you if you get discovered by a bunch of turfs on twitter there's only about 10 minutes at the very beginning where you're really needed to respond and they're just gonna go and they're yeah. very happy to go uh it's really weird i i once muted a thread and then like checked back in on it like a couple days later and they were still just just going the, the only identity group on twitter which fails the turing test <laughs> is that true no I, I don't know but like it feels like <laughs> <laughs> oh no i was i was like i would believe that but it, um, feels, but it feels like you're talking to a machine and the things that you're saying they're just not really responding to them that is true i mean i guess like it shouldn't be surprising that like the turf movement is kind of like based around a very very confident inability to read basic survey data Right. Yes. Like that's sort of that because like th if they could, like their whole movement wouldn't really make any sense. They, they'd yep. be like, oh, this is like not really a thing. But their inability to like look at a poll or a survey or, or some kind paper, of or or any, a scientific paper. Yeah. And so they just get really tripped up on like bizarre stuff like this Baroness who appears to have spent several days. Uh, I'm looking at the timestamps. This is my blog. S the better part of a week arguing how long human beings have been around on Earth as a way to somehow back up some convoluted point about how trans people don't exist, which, of course, they do. And, yeah. of course, they always have. But it's it's crazy. What's worse than that uh, is that she also ended this entire thing with saying, uh, actually, it was all a joke. Oh, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Despite the fact that the original error was in... A literal official letter that she wrote on House of well House of Lords headed note paper, which is you know it's official correspondence. So it's funny, it, funny prank. I mean, I would I would do that if I was involved, but 
Yeah, me too. Yeah. But not not to be anti-trans. I would do it for like wackier stuff that was like clearly a joke. Also, I'm sorry. Making a bunch of people mad at you because of how stupid you sound is not a joke. <laughs> it's not really a joke. Like, if anything, it's a joke. It's a prank that you played on yourself. You've wasted precious time of your life having to explain to lots of strangers on the internet that you are actually smart, <laughs> like, which is just not, it's not, a, it's a prank that you've done to yourself. You've wasted your own life. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, I wish the Baroness not well. I, I, I hope she, I hope, see, uh, here's the other thing. If I tweeted like this, if I tweeted like this Baroness or I tweeted like, let's say a particular journalist who's known for having like days long meltdowns on Twitter, yeah. if I tweeted like that. People in my life would tell me to stop. But these people don't have people in their life who are telling well, them to stop. Because all the people they're talking to are also in this same universe. Right. But like if I tweeted like this, I think on I think halfway through the first day, you'd probably like DM me and be like, you gotta stop. I don't know. I'd probably let you go. You know, it came out of my mouth and I realized you wouldn't DM me. You would do it in public. You would oh, tweet yeah, at me yeah. in public and be like, you got to stop. Absolutely. I think you've, I mean, you've done that to me before. So yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, this same brain poison is, uh, is big in the US right now. Bette Midler and Macy Gray have gone to the, this side now. So yeah, that was uh, tough. That's, that was tough. That's super fun. Oh, and uh, fucking Dwight from The Office. Oh, no, He's no. He, re- he regressed. He, oh, he, he said he was he went wrong. Back. He said he was wrong. He said, fuck this up. My bad. Oh, okay. He recanted. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's it's very random. So it could really be anybody at this point. Uh, well, uh, that's good. I'm glad Dwight is back uh, back on the good side, I guess, question mark. The the leaders of these movements are never have been who they thought I thought they would be because somehow ben mckenzie is the anti-crypto guy so everything's everything's yeah. like, it feels like everything's been thrown up and jumbled a little bit in a fun way for the most part yeah speaking of fun ways of jumbling <laughs> up culture until it doesn't make any sense let's talk about the gentle minions yeah things off luke what's your personal relationship with the minions franchise i think my best piece of work at buzzfeed was based on the minions what was it it was the uh the rise and fall of the roman empire as explained by the minions i don't even know i don't even remember this post no no one did uh one fascinating thing which i don't even know if we're allowed to say but when when the last round of minion stuff happened we (laughs) there was a group of people which you were involved and Kanatopolis, friend of the show, some other people, and we had like long conversations about how you couldn't get a minions post to do well. Like if you put a meme on Facebook and a minions post of just like I'm one percent, I'm ninety nine percent sassy and one percent despicable, hundred thousand yeah. shares, that's fine. As soon as you go like, hey, here's a post where we talk about the minions, no one reads it. It's like fifty thousand. It's a hard cap. I do remember this chat. We had a whole chat about. How users did not want to engage with Minions lore or no. like things about the Minions, but people on Facebook did 
relate to minion behavior. Like people liked minions, but they didn't want to like acknowledge the movies. Right. People believed them to be avatars of themselves, not yes. characters in their own right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I had forgotten all about that. Well, I feel like that's all. Well, I mean, this is a great this is a great intro to what we're talking about today because I think that has changed. So, Minions: Rise of Gru is smashing box office records. It's doing very, very well, and it's uh, at the center of a meme called the Gentle Minions. Which, if you haven't seen it, basically. Gen Z kids on TikTok, mainly teenage boys, are dressing up in suits and they're going to the movies and they're doing like the impression of like kind of like one of those like business hustle guy memes where they put their fingers together in like a pyramid kind of thing. And they like act like classy gentlemen while watching Minions media. And it's gotten to the point where certain movie theaters are like banning, I guess, boys from wearing suits together to see the Minions movies. And it's kicked off like a very weird conversation on Twitter about whether or not the Gentle Minions meme is the reason why the movie is doing well at the box office. My instinct is it has really no impact on the box office because I don't no. think it's that big. But it has ignited, once again, this sort of conversation around bizarre Gen Z internet behavior. And I think it really comes down to one thing, which is – for some reason, Gen Z loves flash mobs and flash mob-esque behavior. And I want to figure out why. So I guess to start, Luke, why? <laughs> <laughs> Can I immediately not answer that question and instead answer a different question? I hope so, because we have at least 40 more minutes of this podcast to record, so we can't answer it yet. So yeah, let's go, let's go talk okay. about something else. <laughs> so one thing that I think is kind of being overlooked with a Minions meme thing, well, the, sorry, the gentleman, the gentle minions, which is a surprise. You have to say gentle minions. The yeah, gentle, gentle minions. minions is that all of the people taking part in this are teenage boys, let's say 16 to 21. Now, the first Minions movie came out 12 years ago. So a bunch of these people watched it when they were between like four to nine. And this right. is actually their childhood. So this isn't so much. And I think it's sort of a mist, like, because it feels like. When we were mocking the minions ten years ago, we were like in our twenties, so and it felt stupid. They are mock they are mocking the minions having kind of grown up with it. I don't think they're mocking them. I think there's right, exactly. I don't think this is ironic. No, 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 exactly. It's not ironic. Like, okay, my actual explanation for this is that a bunch of teenage boys want to go and see a children's movie that brings them warm, nostalgic memories. And the only way they can do that with is with a vast quantity of irony uh, to be like, yeah. hey, but they do kind of want to see the movies, I think. So, for instance, like when I uh, when I was a senior in high school, I thought it would be very funny to dress up like Yu-Gi-Oh for Halloween. And I right. spiked my hair up and I wore like a Yu-Gi-Oh costume with a dual disc and I had a boom box and I would play, it's time to duel and the song would play and I would challenge people to a duel. And I thought that was very funny as but, but an 18 did, year, a 17 year old. Did part of you also feel like this is what I wished I could have done when I was 10? Part of me was like, this is dope as hell. Yes, exactly. 
So I think that is definitely part of it. I think that I also think that like the minion. So to get like very very like semantic about this, I think the minions part of it is not ironic. I think the ironic thing is the like wearing the suit and acting like a classy gentleman. But I think it is a genuine love of minions that is being expressed through the irony of the flash mob. I absolutely agree. I think that there is more. I don't say desire because that's the wrong thing, but more desire for the minions <laughs> than we previously thought. <laughs> I don't know. If I... <laughs> Teenage boys just desire a good minion. <laughs> I don't know if I can get through this episode. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. So I, I. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you that there is a genuine love for the minions that is happening with these teenage boys. But you don't need desire? I don't want to use that word. because So I think there is a shift that this is sort of representing in the way people interface with memes and nostalgia and irony. So the clearest, the clearest thing to compare this to, it would be Shrek, right? But Shrek to me was always very anti-capitalist. Like the the sort of making fun of Shrek while loving Shrek was kind of like a rebellion against Shrek marketing and Shrek like overconsumption. You know, we were we were too we were consuming too much Shrek. And so Shrek was like all over the internet and people were just like making fun of it for that. And then like people have kind of reclaimed it. But I think that like there was more of an ironic thing there. With the minions, I feel like it's similar to the Binley Mega Chippy phenomenon we talked about a couple weeks ago, which is that like there's a genuine love for the minions, there's a genuine love for like small British chip shops and like the the well, uh, perform- it's a mega chippy. Let's be clear. I'm sorry. It's not a small chip shop. It's a mega chippy. Thank you. I think there is like a genuine love of something that's being expressed and that core is not ironic, but the performance of it is, which is almost like the inverse of millennials where like our ironic thing would be the core. So there's no real, there's no real center to any of our memes, but our engagement with them was genuine. Gen Z's almost flipped. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing though. I do think like, like Shrek is probably a good example because Shrek was what 2000 and, well it was 2001 I know it was 2001 because of the important yeah. things so Shrek came out for us almost the exact same time as Minions came out for these exist these this group of teens like maybe maybe slightly later but like it's it, so so their relationship with Minions actually does now you've said it really remind me of the relationship of Millennials with Shrek where it's like funny to just talk about it and make and mock it in a way. And also the same thing happened with probably B-Movie is the other one. But both B-Movie and Shrek, I feel like were, I feel like there was less of a genuine affection until later. Like the, the shrek the the Shrek renaissance, like I didn't really notice start to happen until like, until like 2015. Cause like up until, up until 2014. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Cause 2001, uh, and 2015, that's 14 years later. Minions are 2014, that's 2024. It's about now. True. I guess that's true. Like, that I, it... I think that there is a certain amount of... Actually, now you're saying it, reclaiming it very effectively from what Minions became, which was boomer bait uh, Facebook memes, which is like the primary expression of Minions, which means they've now kind of looped over and become 
vaguely enjoyable for the people who actually grew up with them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the minion memes as the boomer bait is also interesting because like there's a very real argument to be made that like the reason why older people on Facebook liked minions was because they were watching those movies with their Gen Z children. Yeah. And they yeah, like, and they also see that they're also extremely good avatars. Like as in yes, you can they project are. any emotion, any thought, any feeling to them and it's all fine. They also kind of I, I, I've always wondered about this, and this is sort of like a pet theory I've had about like memetics and like internet imagery for many years, but I, I've always wondered why we kind of gravitate towards bug-eyed like cartoon avatars online. Pepper the Frog, Minions, Shrek even a little bit. Right, and I, I have always wondered if that it's, it's – That's literally Mickey Mouse. But I also wonder if like there's a reason why internet users sort of relate to like a giant eyeballed monstrosity because we kind of feel like that hunched over a laptop. That's that's just a pet theory I've had for a but while. I know I, I, I see that, but that has been around for so long. Because like literally that is that is like it's Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse had big giant eyes. All of his friends had big giant eyes. Every cartoon, every Disney movie ever has had most of his characters with big giant eyes. Like I, I think I, I think that, it's I think it's an expressive thing. Like I guess we just like big eyes, I guess. Well no no I know no I know it's an expression thing because like if you're looking at like a person, most of your their emotion comes through their eyes. Uh, and doing it with the cartoon, if you have re- regular sized eyes, it's trickier. But if you have big eyes, it's like everything's heightened. So it's kind of like you understand the emotions a little easier. Well, the, the minions have – some of the minions have one big eye, right? Isn't there a one-eyed minion? I think some of them are one-eyed and some of them are two-eyed. I've never seen a minions movie. I, I just no, – I, I haven't – I, uh, I well, Okay, so wait. So – if if minions are the Gen Z Shrek, let's. I don't know if I totally agree, but like, let's say that like that's like the framework we want, we kind of want to use. Sure. Why is Gen Z in particular so interested in kind of like expressing that ironic nostalgia via like meetups and 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 real life events in a way that like, I don't think like I don't remember millennials all dressing up like Shrek. In fact, like Shrek cosplay was kind of like a, a weird like niche funny thing but like there were no large scale b movie meetups or shrek meetups like this there were obviously like weird fringy people doing stuff then there was like that weird trend of like british people getting married dressed like shrek but other than that like you can google it but other than that like millennials weren't really doing this kind of thing at this age no i mean i think that's that's I mean, that's true to an extent, but I don't know how 100% true it is, because I think that what was happening was that people were not expressing those communal memes in the same way. Like, okay, A, it was slightly harder to make things, make those connections with people. Like, you kind of had to do it with your own, like, friends. You couldn't do a meetup or whatever. Right. Like, it could happen, but it was relatively rare. But also, like, we did do that a bunch, like there are the Harlem Shake videos are a really good example of this, where it was a stupid, pointless thing to do. True planking, I, planking. I, I planked. Yeah, yeah, classic. Well, so here's a really interesting thought. Much in the same way that the minion was sort of like the 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 ultimate meme for for Facebook wine moms or whatever. The flash mob for many years was sort of relegated to this idea of like. You know, the Silicon Valley brand safe, like viral ad campaign, improv everywhere, underpants subway thing, right? Like that whole genre of like shit upper middle class white people do on the internet to like advertise a dating app or something. 
Yeah. And now, like, the flash mob is essentially the, like the defining online offline experience for Gen Z. Like they're just like meeting up in person and doing wacky shit with each other. And it's like very interesting that like it is also kind of like a a a a, a forgotten archetype of of internet use that is now like being reclaimed by Gen Z and being like made cool and kind of subversive and weird, which I think is like very strange to see. Yeah, but I do think there's one critical difference, which is that the traditional flash mob, which I'm pretty sure at one point there was a reality show about flash mobs, and the entire thing was them setting up flash mobs. I'm sure that existed. I'm going to guess that that came out in 2012. Like, there's no way that that idea could have happened after 2012. I'm sure there was a flash mob reality show, but... Yeah, oh my God, okay. It was called Mobbed. Brilliant. And it was a reality hidden camera show... In March 31st, 2011. You're only a year out. But yes, that sounds exactly right. And, and guess who hosted it? Uh, Nick Cannon. Howie Mandel. Even better. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, that would Fucking, been, yeah. if I, I'm sorry, not if. When I die and eventually <laughs> go to hell, I will be forced to be in a flash mob with Howie Mandel for all of eternity. That's what's waiting for me on the other side. So, yeah, it is really interesting, though, that, like, flash mobs, to me, were kind of, like, the ultimate sign of, like, what I derogatorily refer to as organized fun. It was, like, we're all going to go to Times Square and do, like, a choreographed dance to announce the new Samsung tablet or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was – and there was the same period where, like, a lot of people proposed to people in that, and there was, like, things where someone would have to sit in a car and they'd be driven slowly through a street as people came and did things in front of them for – Briefly, it was yeah, it was exactly. exactly. And now it's like, you know, me and twenty guys from my high school class are gonna go do some inscrutable inside joke together in a mall and put it on TikTok, which and is it's gonna better. spread. It's, it's better because it's much better. The much old better. the old version was like it was very much like everyone kind of signed up, went, did their thing, and then everyone like the whole point was everyone had to walk off afterwards. Right. So it was very much, it was very performative. Whereas this bizarrely feels a lot less performative. Like whenever you see people doing these things, it's like, cool, you're doing a fun thing. Go nuts. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, so to to compare it to Binley Megachip, because it was the most recent example of this. uh, And we do, we, we, we will have to talk about Morbius and how this fits in, but we're not there yet. But in terms of like the Binley Megachippy, it was sort of similar where it was like, it became tabloid fodder. It did be. It became over reported on by like the four newspapers of your country. Yeah. But you know, in the very beginning, it felt weird and organic and strange and bottom up, and it felt like exciting. I I, I still think it's very funny because of that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. It is. It's. It remains incredibly funny that 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 was how that that panned out. But I mean, maybe this is a good time to talk about Morbius, which is like. Oh, I have a, I have a segue. Sort of pointless. Okay. Okay. No, that's close. That's close. Which I was going to say, like, one of the most interesting things about this is how badly this lines up with like brands and capitalism, and like, oh, yeah. and I think Morbius is a fantastic example of this. So yeah, let's let's go talk about Morbius. Yeah, I mean, so the Morbius thing was that people having at this point grown up on the Marvel movies. Morbius came out and was clearly just like a bad idea. Yeah. I still haven't seen it. Have you seen it? 
so as I said in the opening, I was going to see it on the plane, but it, uh, United isn't showing Morbius. So I got up on my seat and I started screaming. It's morbing time. I need to mo- I need to morb. I've got a morb. Yeah. So no, I didn't see it yet. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm holding on until I can watch it in its in its intended format, which is uh, on the screen of a Nokia thirty six ten. Yeah, I was gonna say on a on a, a Nintendo three DS while being lost in a sewer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen I've seen one video of that. I mean, what what is interesting to me about the Morbius thing is that it's clearly coming from the same like mechanisms, like it's it's like the same machinery of the Gentle Minions, but like the the feeling is totally different, and it, it also didn't create anything in real life. It was purely online, which is kind of a rare thing for a Gen Z meme. It didn't. It it did not translate into people going into theaters and watching Morbius. Yeah, and I think that there are examples of, I guess, less pervasive memes that have bigger impact. Um, the Battle of the Joshes. Yeah, the Josh fight's a really good one. Adrian's kickback is a yeah, really good yeah, one. Yeah. It's also really interesting to think about all of this in comparison to snakes on a plane yeah i mean yeah that was fascinating so snakes on a plane was i think a really interesting thing of a internet commission thing but that it had to get so huge that a lot of people heard of it had heard of it offline as well and this this wasn't the only thing that happened around that time there was a bunch of things where like tv shows would get cancelled and then fans would do things irl to get them uncancelled briefly uh, I'm right. trying to think of them. Uh, Chuck, I think, had a big campaign and got picked up by a different network. I mean, people were literally doing flash mobs to get the OA brought back and That's doing true. the dance from the OA. I still think the OA could come back. I read a really good fan theory the other day arguing <laughs> that it will come back, but I, I won't get into that right now. Sure. No, but it, it is interesting to me that th- there was sort of like this like assumption that if you could get enough viral energy together, it could turn into something that could be – somewhat commercially successful so even if it was kind of like a bad movie if you could get people to talk about it you could probably make some money off of it but i feel like this new kind of crop of this kind of thing happening is not nearly as easy to capitalize on by by, with brands it's 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 way too weird it's inherently resistant to capitalization because yes, they will capitalize on the thing you don't want you, them to capitalize on and then not do the thing that you... They re-release Morbius on the basis like, hey, everyone's talking about it. Like, I know, I know for a fact that there was a meeting at which some, like, social media director said like, hey, since it's gone out of cinemas, mentions of our movie are up 700%. And they're like, right, is that good? And he's like, yes. Because he can't say no, but he has to say yes, because that's how his job works. Uh, and therefore, they're like, all right, well, do we think that we could get a release out of this? And he's like, well, a million people have mentioned it in the last seven days. So, you know, if they all went to see it, we'd, we'd make, make a huge amount of money. And they're like, all right. It's, I don't know how you respond to that as a person whose job that is. Well, you know what's really funny is that, like, I think there's an argument to be made that Morbius, that, <laughs> that Morbius and the and the Morbius summer and stuff could be like a sign that audiences now are so trained to engage with movies on streaming platforms and as part of internet content more broadly. Yeah. That like the best way to have capitalized on Summer of Morbius 
were would have been if Sony had their own streaming platform that people were already signed up for, and then a bunch of people just go and watch Morbius for no extra money and then make memes about it, and it just like lives in the zeitgeist, and it becomes like a cult thing yeah. that just like builds forever. But they couldn't do that because uh, they don't own a streaming service. So there's like there's an argument to be made that like a, an entire generation now of moviegoers, this newer one, they just like don't think about movies the same way we do. Yeah, that sounds right. And and like I don't really kind of know how that thought ends. Like like because they're 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 engaging with movies in like a totally different way than we would even like five years ago. I mean, I I, I don't know. I think there is more continuity there than you think. I, like I think that there is. Plenty of continuity between kind of like ironic bad movies and just how you respond to them. Like, I don't know if you and your friends when you were young had like movies that you kind of hated and you thought were terrible and you put on to laugh at. Oh, yeah, of course. I love right. camp and I love irony. So, yeah, of course. Right, right, right. So that, I think that same thing is happening, except now it is less kind of like, you know, I don't know what your deal was, but, you know, in a basement that has like one sofa that's 20 years old uh, on a, and a terrible TV watching whatever the fuck it is uh and now it's more like oh we know we're gonna put this on tiktok that and is you, all you make a reaction yeah. to it so that is definitely like an argument and i think that like there, there there's like a very compelling argument to be made that like all of the behavior we're seeing with gen z is like totally normal and has been around forever and of course like a bunch of teenage boys are gonna like do a weird thing to a bad movie they kind of like but because of tiktok in particular that can spread Beyond like your weird friends in your weird basement, right? It's, well, it spreads faster and it is visible. Like it's not right. the, it's not the thing where you kind of look at your you know blockbuster rentals and you're like, hey, this movie that didn't do very well at the box office has had like a weird afterlife where actually like it's being rented quite a lot. And you go, interesting. We should probably make sure more stores have copies, or make sure there are more copies, all that sort of stuff. Which is what you would do in. 1985 right but now you're kind of like you immediately see it because suddenly you're like hey uh just so you know our social listening systems have picked up the mentions of this has gone up and so you're kind of like well it's happening and it's like no no it's it's, it's kind of not happening it isn't it isn't happening i mean i don't know if you saw this tweet but the last blockbuster in existence it, it does have copies of morbius you can rent that's good i'm i'm happy <laughs> i'm happy for morbius for for Morbius and the last blockbuster in existence. Yeah, uh, it's it's really nice. No, I I think you're exactly right. Which is it's not uh, it's not dissimilar from how a bunch of journalists were early adopters on Twitter and just behaved the way journalists always do, but suddenly we could all see it, and so all the weird petty arguments that like media people have are now totally visible. And have now influenced an entire app to kind of all talk like petty media people. Yeah, exactly. It's very strange. So now like TikTok is just like a teenager machine that is just like making new weird teenage behavior and it's spreading at a rate that like we've just never seen before. Because also if you think about TikTok, which is kind of kind of interesting here, I was thinking about this the other day, TikTok was other than Vine, was re other than Vine, really the first app to really give video editing tools to teenagers. Like uh, when when YouTube became more professionalized, you still had to make YouTube videos that were algorithmically 
functional yeah. in uh, another app like Premiere or Final Cut or or whatever. I don't think anyone was making a YouTube video on Avid. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's that's how you made YouTube videos, which which was uh, which meant that like most average teenagers couldn't make a YouTube video that could go viral enough for them to be seen at sure. a certain point. TikTok though gives you all the tools you need to make a successful TikTok video. It's what it was one of the first video apps to do so, which means that for like the first time really ever, teenagers in their bedroom on their phone can make like consumer grade viral content ready for mass consumption. And this is what it looks like, like a bunch of weird kids wearing suits to go see the minions together. Yeah. And yeah, there are going to be a bunch of people attempting to figure out hey, how do we organically make this happen? And the answer is like, uh, you don't. And also, I don't think you want it. I mean, I, I would say like the way to make it happen is probably the opposite of what you think. Like the way to make it, I, I almost think that the key to attracting Gen Z internet users is is actually total earnestness. That might be it, yeah. Like just like, just raw, like, totally open earnestness that they engage with ironically they're almost they're almost like a, a, a stage of irony away like I, i've always thought of them as unironic they're not they're actually post-ironic basically yeah like their engagement with the world is what's ironic not the thing they're engaging with yeah, exactly. Which I think is the kind of a flip, an inverse, a skinny jeans to baggy jeans, if you will, relationship to millennials, which is like we were kind of drawn towards snark and, and irony and kind of like arch, uh, you know, relatable, but still kind of like, you know, uh, yeah. pe people might not like to say this, but like HBO girls, HBO's girls is kind of like an archetypal millennial thing. Like we made that as a generation and like it, it kind of summed up an experience for us and it was extremely ironic and like brutally ironic in, in weird yeah. and ugly ways. Whereas I think Gen Z is kind of more drawn towards uh, like very earnest things that they like hijack and mess with and play with. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely true. And I, I, I think of, if you think of the Gen Z stars, I actually think that the kind of prototypical Gen Z star, and I know I mentioned last week, and we're going to do it again, but Mr. Beast, who is, his entire thing is just giving money away to people because he's like, kind of like <laughs> right. being a nice person giving money to people. Well, and what's really funny is like the millennial instinct is like, oh, he's a sociopath. Yeah. And I don't and think then, he is. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, and uh, you know, it, it, it's in the news this week because um, one of the bigger stars involved with it, uh, he died of cancer, uh, Technoblade. Yeah. But the Dream SMP, for listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, the Dream SMP stands for Survival Multiplayer Server. It's a Minecraft server run by a guy named Dream. No one knows his real name. He's in his early 20s. And him and his friends run this server. And the story, quote unquote, of the Dream SMP that people watch via live streams are these friends trying to maintain their server. So it's like it's like how Vince McMahon is the president of WWE or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. inside the story of WWE. And the story of WWE is the internal politics of working for WWE, essentially. Yeah. Which is weirdly not dissimilar to what like College Humor was doing t 10 years ago, where all their videos were like about working at College Humor. Yeah. And they would, yeah, they're having conversations about like, hey, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, God, that was pretty weird. Yeah. Like Jake and Amir is essentially the prototype for this. Anyway, yeah. so the Dream SMP, though, is deeply earnest. Like, like, 
I, it makes my skin crawl. It, it feels almost <laughs> like it feels like there's no conflict there. It feels like there's no anything there because I don't understand. Because what I don't understand that I think younger people do understand is that like the core nugget isn't the thing that's interesting. It's the periphery. It's the it's the fan fiction. It's the fan art. It's the commentary. It's the um, it's the clips. It's the memes. It's not really so much about the thing at the center. But the thing at the center still has to be genuine and earnest to yeah, support the weight, you know, the emotional weight, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fascinating. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, here, let's end, let's end on this. Here, here's like a fun thought experiment. Like seeing the trajectory of how this is all going, like, like what's next in this space? Like what kind of like weird online offline flash mobby thing i think it just keeps happening i think like uh, i always think about this and we always kind of have a conversation about where it's going to go and i think with this one it's going to be like another weird thing's going to happen another weird thing's going to happen another weird thing's going to happen uh people get really annoyed with it i assume that at some point a brand will try and co-opt it like way too early yeah and it will destroy them uh in a way that the mcdonald's Szechuan sauce thing nearly did but didn't quite because they they were a bit late to it and it was just like a bit weird rather than being like truly apocalyptic for them. But yeah, I suspect, I mean, but again, though, this is the problem. Like whenever I think about this, when we, when we get into it, what we end up thinking about is stuff like uh, GameStop, which is kind of the same thing. Kind of, yeah. A bunch of like things for the point, they're doing things for the point of doing things. And also it was a thing where everyone thought that the people at the center were like doing weird insider trading. And then it turns out they were just like very earnest nerds who really liked GameStop. Yeah, exactly. It was very strange. It's this really weird urge, I think, from people who were born in a, you know, pre-internet, let's say, to assume that like internet identity play is inherently cynical or opportunistic. Yeah, And I think that if you have always lived in a world where the internet is, is a place where you can extend your identity and your personhood and play with who you are and what you care about, it's not cynical because it's not novel. It's not new. It's always been there. Yeah, no, that's true. Like a bunch of Gen Z kids are not going to sit around and have the conversation we had about how to trick people on Facebook to click on stuff about minions. No, because they know it already. They're just interested in minions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is like unthinkable to us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's this weird thing where it, it's it's kind of uplifting in this like very strange way. Like it's kind of exciting. I've got a coder for this. Oh, okay. At the weekend I met uh, a Gen Z someone from Gen Z who was a sincere Avatar stan. Fuck off. Really? Like Avatar the movie? Yeah. Like the blue people, not yeah. Avatar the cartoon, because yeah. obviously everyone's a fan of the cartoon. But so did they? Did they have like a favorite character from Avatar? They just love the whole thing. But like, <laughs> but why? <laughs> Were they excited about the sequel that's coming? Yeah, really excited. <laughs> I feel I'm like glitching out at the idea of that. The idea of a, an Avatar stand. The idea that like any human. <laughs> The idea that there are human beings that are like genuinely waiting for this movie to come out is like crazy to me. No, but yeah, obviously I can't, I can't say who it is, but they're the this great person. They're really interesting, really funny, and 
it's just it's it's it was such a clear sincere like for it that i was like okay fair enough wow yeah i mean i guess fair enough like I think we're probably the wrong ones here, like for engaging with culture the way we do. Perhaps they are the correct ones. Or maybe we're both wrong. And there'll be like some new generation in like 10 years who are like even weirder and stranger. And they're the they're the right ones. I don't know. Maybe. But maybe. you know what I do know? All generations love content. Which brings us to our next segment. Hey Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? I haven't consumed any content. I've been really busy. You haven't consumed any content. I, believe, I, I can give you, an, uh, give you an update on Love Island. You know what? I think it's time to do an update about Love Island. Yeah. Fine. I'll do an update on about Love Island. Okay. I would like to talk about the Netflix show The Lincoln Lawyer. Okay. Interesting. Because this is based yeah. on the movie, right? I guess. I don't know. Uh, my mom told me to watch it, and it's great. <laughs> and, and it's, I mean, it's an utterly preposterous show. But I enjoyed every single minute of it. And I have some uh, broader thoughts about Netflix after watching The Lincoln Lawyer. So we can talk all about that. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Thank you guys for supporting the show. If you support the show, uh, you get our mini-sodes, which we're going to go record right now. You can find that at thecontentminds.com. Thank you to Seven Morris for editing this week's show. And uh, I think... Uh, it's time for everyone to go to their podcast of choice and leave a review as if you were a minion. Yep. I want to see if anyone has done any of these challenges that I, I ask people to do. So let's, let's take, uh, I'm going to take a quick peek real quick at the iTunes listings and see if anyone is doing any of these, because if not, I have to come up with a new last bit. I think that makes sense. Here we go. Oh, Okay. So Hobsworth wrote, love this show, can't get enough of that something content, but it's written in Leet speak. So I, I think we at one point asked people to comment in Leet speak. Did we? I think so. I remember that. Sino Scuba wrote, self-referential and rever reverential. This is exact... Uh, this is not a bit. This is just a three-star review that says we're extremely uh, tedious. <laughs> that sounds right. Okay, cool. Ah, well, thank you very much. Do, are you um, sure we didn't ask people to tell us that we were tedious at some point? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. I mean, you could have. It does sound like the sort of thing that we'd have done. Oh, here's a really good one from Janky Phil, uh, which was, honestly, I was blown away when I heard the one to six ratio of mustard and sweet pickle relish <laughs> into a standard brownie recipe would make it better. Boy, was I wrong. What resulted were the greatest brownies of all time. They were sweet, moist, a little zippy. Thanks, Content Minds. Gotta go. My Aunt Cecilia is calling me for the recipe. That's a good one. Oh, oh no, Luke. Oh, no. I haven't checked these at all, and I've been doing this bit like week <sighs> after week. One user named Dr. Urania writes 100% pee concentrate while drinking pee first thing in the morning is often recommended by the Sulcarl experts. I've come to the conclusion that waiting until late night will work as a cold brew of sorts to contain the maximum potency for good kidney juice. I can't keep reading this. This is disgusting. It seems like, it seems like we maybe should have checked these more often. <laughs> oh man, this is great. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's great. Uh, so yeah, head on over to your podcast review platform of choice and leave a comment like a minion. Thank you very much. And we will see you guys <laughs> next week.